I am jazzed up today, John. It's Smart Dribble Day. Every day is Smart Dribble Day, Kurt. I was in a Uber, an Uber, in Florida this weekend, and I was the person was having trouble understanding drivel. And I think maybe I'm not pronouncing it correctly. I kept spelling it for him. And then I finally showed him what it looked like. I was also in California before that turning a lot of people onto smart dribble. So I'm expecting to see- Oh, California. I'd like to welcome all of our new listeners from California. Thank you for doing that, Kurt. Yep. It's my my pleasure and my duty and my sacred passion. All right. Well, I am happy to be in this passionate embrace with you, so to speak. You know, chances are someone might just stumble upon the podcast. What do you think the odds of that are, John? Well, it's an interesting question because there are not great podcast discovery tools yet in this world. So it's really a word of mouth thing. So I think it's a low likelihood that someone will just be out there looking for one a new podcast and since there are so many of them and go, hey, Smart Dribble, that sounds like fun. More likely a friend would tell them about it. So all of our listeners, please share the Smart Dribble love. Why See, are you flexing into the camera, Kurt? I actually think the odds and the chances of someone finding it are probably like one in 250,000. Wow. And how how did you calculate that? Well, I just did a simple spreadsheet analysis on Excel of discounted cash flow of the amount of advertising in per podcast in a geographic region. I then subdivided it by the denominator of the latest distribution factor and got to that number. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense and perfectly nonsense in any event math since 1982 john if you think that the odds are that long then you're basically saying kurt that it's more likely that someone would bowl a perfect game than stumble across our podcast inadvertently and i say that because the odds of bowling a perfect game if you're just like one of those casual players like you and me is 11,500 to one, which I'm surprised it would be that achievable because you got to do a lot of things right in a row for that to happen. So one in 11,500 seems low. I'll tell you though, I bowled uh, about a year last September for the first time in about 15 years. And instead of what I used to do was always just try to throw the ball as fast as I could because it had a speedometer, you know, on it sometimes. I didn't care about hitting anything. I went for pins. And I got like a 165, John, which is close to a 300. So I can see the odds. I thought they'd be slower. Well, I think it's great that you realized that there was more benefit in aiming for the pins, which is how you score points. Now, my observation about bowling is when everyone always says, when I went bowling, I hadn't bowled like an X number of years. Everybody always says that. And they're telling the truth. So the average bowler must bowl with incredible infrequency. Except I think it's made a comeback these days. I don't know if it's COVID or it's a, I I actually have a theory, which I think that everyone today is actually sick of where things are going. So they're nostalgically, even though they didn't live it, trying to go back to like the 50s. So do you or do you not own a personalized bowling shirt, Kurt? I do not. I do, Kurt. And it is a vintage retro style shirt. 
I have two of them, although one of them has become lost. And that is because I ran a company a number of years ago and the employees of the company wanted to form a bowling league. And my thought was if people wanted to spend time with their colleagues outside of work, I'm all for it. That's got to be a good thing. Yeah. And it was it was so popular that I think we had like 60 people out of 300 people who were part of this thing. So they asked me to join the bowling league and I got these special shirts made. One of them said chief pinhead. <laughs> you know what? I, yeah, you are. I you was. Are def- you definitely chief pinhead. I will tell you bowling had its increase in popularity in the 1950s. Do you know why? Because no, I don't know why. Okay. So it was post-World War II. And for the first time, there was this thing called leisure time that people had. They never had that before World War II. Before World War II, it was the Depression. Before the Depression, people worked six days a week or more. So all of a sudden, it's post-World War II, where the we being Americans are the richest economy in the world. We have a boom going on everywhere. We have a flock and a flea and a spree to the suburbs. And all of a sudden, people have leisure time. They're only working five days a week. They come home with their 2.3 kids. They get their pipe. If you're a man or you get your whatever, if you're a woman, you get your bowling shoes. Your, and your pipette. Out. So, Kurt, let me ask you this, because leisure time certainly picked up from the 50s because in this country, although I think it's reversed, we actually had leisure time, but bowling didn't seem to remain popular. But before you comment on bowling, I should mention that the topic of this podcast, believe it or not, to our listeners, is not bowling. It's what are the odds, which is why Kurt asked me the question of what are the odds that someone would stumble across. And then we just went down this bowling alley. You get it? That's sort of a... So let me ask ah, you this. Let me ask you this question, Kurt. Have you ever cracked open an egg and found a double yolk? Yes. You have? Yes. What did you do? Did you did you tell anybody? Did you like take a picture, put it on more Instagram? Than, more than once have I done it, believe it or not. I have not. I did not take a picture or put it on Instagram. I just shouted out, yeehaw, and then I put it on the griddle. Did you feel like you had won something? No, but I felt, you know, kind of lucky. You felt special. So yeah. here are the odds, Kurt, and you've defied these odds. The odds of cracking open an egg with a double yolk are about one in 1,000. And you're a two-time winner. And along those same vein, what do you think the odds are of finding... You found a a vein inside your egg? That's disgusting. A four-leaf clover. I would say the odds are one in 5,000. Oh, you're close. It's actually one in 10,000. So, Ah, yay me. The clover is of one in 10,000 clovers, obviously, if you're going for greater vegetation, it's much bigger, but it's just a genetic defect, which as everyone says, your biggest weakness is your strength. So the genetic defect here causes the three clover to have four, one in 10,000. Wow. Well, I'm still impressed by my guess and it's near accuracy. So I'm still sort of in the afterglow of that. But I will build on that exact same theme of genetic defects creating an oddity that is quite rare. Have you ever met anybody, Kurt, who was born with extra fingers or toes? No. That rules you out as having extra fingers or toes since you've met yourself already. But it's much more, it's much more common than I would have thought. 
one in every 500 to 1,000 births in the U.S., there's an extra finger or toes. It's a condition called polydactyly. What's the number again? One in every 500 to 1,000 births. That seems pretty common. Okay, that's a big range, 500 to 1,000. Okay, it's not a big range. If I said to you, one in 1,000 births, there's an extra finger or toes, you'd go, wow, that is a lot more frequent and common than I would have ever thought. What I'm saying is I'm getting argumentative at whoever came up with the stat. Get a little closer, would you? Oh, I'm going to give myself quite a range. There's one in, let's see, 500 to 1,000. That's ridiculous. I'm glad that this is what you're choosing to get exercise about. Think about it. If I don't have a problem with the 500 like basis, but if they did one in 21,500 to 22,000, okay, there's a small range of error. The range is 500. I just, I, I'm sorry. I the don't world record that should be fired. Okay. The world record holder is a child born in India in 2010 with four fingers and 20 toes. Now, when I say six toes, what is the first thing you think of being so well-educated? I would say, I would think of Achilles. Because he had an Achilles heel and five toes. I see your point. Wouldn't you think of the Hemingway cats? Oh, yeah, they have six toes. Yeah, I'm not I don't a know if they're called toes fan. on cats, though. Yeah, but I'm not a cat fan. So, though, and you're a Hemingway fan. Yes, but I did not like the musical Cats, nor did I watch the movie. So, I didn't see the musical. What was that other musical that was on forever? One singular sensation. From Chicago? No. Uh, oh, all that chorus jazz? Line. Chorus line. Yeah, yeah. So, there's, by the way, my cousin Suzanne, who recently passed away. She only had four toes on one foot. But the reason why is she was riding on the back of a bicycle when she was young, barefoot. Toe got caught in the spokes of the tire. Whoop, gone. That's not good. No. I'm sorry to hear that. Weird genetic stuff. There is, this is one of these things, kind of like your 500 to 1,000, it's not factual, but there is a myth going on around in this world, John, that. Let's do some myth busting, Kurt. Being born a redhead, a ginger, is a, to be born a ginger is rarer than being born intersex or what we used to call hermaphrodite. That can't be true. That's what's going on. So if you're a ginger, it is rarer for you to be a ginger than to be born intersex. Okay. Well, that's cockamamie. And you probably Ah, heard. I see what you did there. That's good. You probably know this, but I was born a redhead. And it wasn't until my 20s that apparently my red hair stopped being red and became whatever it is now. Although if I were to show you my underarm hair right now, you would go, you're a natural redhead. Um, But that doesn't really do much for our podcast audience. And the truth is we should all be fortunate, feel fortunate for that. But Do you remember the author Tom Robbins and his book, Even the Cowgirls Get the Blues? Of course I do. He also wrote Still Life with Woodpecker, didn't he? Yes, he did. In Still Life with Woodpecker, I was delighted to read that he said redheads are actually demigods from another planet. That would be me, my friend, Kurt. And in demigod, you are demiglazed. And in Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, she has huge thumbs, gigantic thumbs. But only, only on the, two of them though, right? Played in a movie screen by Uma Thurman. Okay, 
back to our point here, I'm going to give you one which I thought was fascinating. What do you think the odds are of being illiterate in America, meaning you're an adult and you cannot I, read? I thought I read something about that, but then I realized I didn't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm going to guess a low number that is just going to be unfortunate. Why? We're a very educated society, John. Well, I don't know if that's entirely true, Kurt. I mean, the we yeah. were lucky enough to be born into a situation, you and I, where education was available. And John, it's the 21st century. I'm going to say that one in 500 people are illiterate. Adults in America. Yeah. They can't read. Yes. That you're very close. Yes. One in every seven, John. Yeah, I, I'm not that close, Kurt. No. You, you led me astray down the bowling alley. I was afraid it was going to be a horrific number like that. So I got all optimistic. One in seven, 25 million adult Americans cannot read. That's horrific, Kurt. Yeah. Which is, by the way, why we do a podcast and, and did not write a book. Exactly. You don't have to read to listen to us. That is legitimately depressing. And we try to avoid depressing topics here on Smart Drivel. So can you say something pithy and upbeat? Okay. What do you think the odds are of creating the perfect March Madness bracket? Oh, that's got to be really, really difficult. I'm going to say one. I'm going to say one in one in five million. Well, by the way, Warren Buffett said that he would pay someone a million dollars a year for the rest of their life if they have the perfect bracket. Forbes did some math, and Forbes magazine says it's one in nine point two quintillion. Oh my God. I don't even know how many that is. is. Yeah. One in nine quintillion? 9.2 quintillion, John. Said another way, it's impossible. Well, I guess when you think about it, I mean, how many decisions do you have to get right? In the first round, forget the whole playing thing. That just makes the math harder. But you have to get 32 right in the first round. Then you have to get half as many right. 16. And then half as many right again. Right. So what, what are we at now, Kurt? 48 plus 56 and then 60. And then I think probably 62 ish. So I guess be, you know what that reminds me of that. Have you ever seen MLB's beat the streak where you can win a fortune, like $5 million. All you have to do seems so simple is pick one major league player a day who is going to get a hit that day. And then if you do it for 56 straight days to match Joe DiMaggio's you know, hitting streak, you win millions of dollars. No one has ever done it. It's been around for years. Perhaps the odds are in the quintillions. So Joe DiMaggio, you're right. 56 straight games, he got a hit. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the closest we've seen in our lifetime is Pete Rose, who set the National League record, which I think was like 44. Exactly. Games. Good memory. That's what I remember, too. And he broke Wee Willie Keeler's yes. record. Wee uh-huh. Wee Willie. Yeah. He uh, had did a, they call him Wee or Willie or? If he, were hey, in Britain, if he were in Britain, he would not be popular with the ladies. Not Wee Willie. No. Why is that unique to Britain? Because they call the Willie something that we don't. All right. So what are the odds? This is a crazy one. What are the odds, Kurt, that there's actually alien life? Well, by the way, I know we try to stay away from topicality on this podcast because it's topicality. Yeah. But I will say the web telescope pictures that came oh. back two days ago. 
oh my Lord, we're looking back in time and the light we were seeing in those pictures is 13 billion years old, that light. It's taken that long to get to us and we finally saw it. It's phenomenal. So what do I think alien life is? The odds, one in one. There's definitely alien life, John. Well, you know what? I think during those 13 billion years that that light took to reach us, nobody got a March Madness bracket correct during that entire time. All right, so your guess is pretty good, actually. It's out there. Believe it or not, according to this study that was done in 2020 that estimated the odds of other planetary life and intelligence, and apparently it's all based on a bunch of inferences and something called Bayesian analysis, which I'm sure you understand. I'm sure it's an acting method that you learned in England. There's a 45... You get it by sniffing and inhaling basil. 45% chance of there being alien life, which is highly likely then, well, not highly likely, but legitimately likely or legitimately possible. John, we are ignorant, selfish, and obtuse if we don't think there's an alien life out there. Didn't we do an episode a long time ago of what an alien would say if he or she were to land on earth and observe human behavior? And ever since we did that episode, life has only gotten wackier in unfortunate ways since then. Unfortunate ways. All right. So I'm going to give you one. You know how there's a lot of baby names, right? And each year it's like, oh, what's the number one name? Right. Yes, I do know that. Okay. Well, in the 21st century, which has been 22 years so far, always in America, the top or by far. Michael. No, that was when we we were growing up was Michael. The top name for girls, Emma. Oh, that's beautiful. I like that name. The top name for boys, Jacob. Oh, very nice. Those are both nice names. All right. So what are the odds that a baby will be named Emma? One in 785. Not even close, John. One in 107. There are a gazillion Emmas. You know what we're going to do? We're going to open up a store that just sells Emma. We don't have to do the monogram on demand or the personalization. We're going to pre-order Emma. All right. And what about Jacob? One in 192. Close, John. One in 179. Okay. So there close. are a lot of I basically Emma. got it right. Yeah. A lot of Emmas and a lot of Jacobs out there. So let's open a store, the Emma and Jacobs store. <laughs> well, I think what we should do is we should ask all of our listeners to invite an Emma or and or a Jacob they know to become listeners of Smart Drivel. So when was the last time you played poker? I mean, sat around a table with a bunch of guys or went to a casino and talked? Last smack? September. So, you know, within a year. Was anyone at the table dealt a royal flush? Well, sadly, we were playing Texas Hold'em, so you don't get dealt all that. But yes. Well, you could still have a royal flush in Texas Hold'em. You're still taking the best five cards. Right. So I was. You received a royal flush. Right off the bat. Five cards in a row. You know how I can tell that you're lying? Why? Because we're recording. What? You did not. I did not. Okay. Because the and odds must be like don't feel bad. Quintillion. So you want to describe to our listeners who may not be as poker savvy as you what a royal flush is? So a royal flush is the best hand you can get in five card poker. It is of the same suit, a 10, a jack, a queen, a king, and an ace. That is correct. So There are only four possibilities to get this hand, of course, because it could be hearts or spades or clubs or diamonds. There is a 0.00015 chance of being dealt this. 
And out of all of the different hands, possible poker hands in a normal five card game, it is one out of 2.6 million possible hands. So don't feel bad. So basically, you are more likely, though, to get a royal flush than you are to get a March Madness bracket, although you are less likely to get a royal flush than you are to bowl the perfect game. I would think that it's higher odds to get a royal flush in Texas Hold'em because you have seven cards. However many people in the table all can share the the cards in the middle. And I believe that is correct as well. And that's also seven cards getting dealt, not five. So it must be just in regular like five card stud. Incredibly rare. I had a friend growing up, two friends, actually, they were twins, fraternal. And I went over to their house quite a bit after school. And we did um, things that we weren't supposed to do because their parents weren't home. And on the dining room wall was a framed poker hand. Their dad played a lot of poker, a framed hand. Their father got a royal flush and appropriately took the cards and had them framed. How cool is that? I thought you were going to say, and one of you broke the frame and used it as your own hand. I think that was probably the only thing we didn't do wrong in that house after school when their parents weren't home. My friend, when he was growing up, they would have a weekly poker game and the dealer called the game. And back then, this was before the rage and rush of uh, everyone just plays Texas Hold'em. Back then, there were a ton of different games. Follow the Queen, Five Card Stud, Night Baseball, whatever. Follow the Queen is the clean name for that particular game. name I knew. But anyway, he played a game called Dealer's Choice. Yes. Basically, not Dealer's Choice, sorry. Dealer's Wild, meaning any card he had was wild. And the other guys actually played with them. Yeah, well, um, stupid is more pervasive than you'd like to believe. You know, you gave us that incredibly depressing number about the number of illiterate folks in America. After you go next, I'm going to give you a more uplifting stat, Kurt, because we need a little uplifting. Well, I'm going to keep you on the down. Lovely. What are the chances? And by the way, this is not Johnny Mathis singing Chances Are, which I think held him to... uh, Stardom. That's been in a lot of movies, I think. I wonder what song has been in the most movies. Anyway, getting audited by the IRS. Well, those numbers are going down, um, becoming less likely because there are fewer and fewer folks working at. All right. Chances of getting audited. One in 8,500. Nope. It's a lot more prevalent than that. The government wants their money, John. What's the number? One in every 220 taxpayers gets audited. That many? Man, I messed yes, up. Yes, John, that, that many. So watch out board. and make sure you are above board with all of your deductions. Absolutely. But are you surprised by that number? Not a bit. Well, of course, you read it when you read it the first time. Were you surprised at all? I didn't find it on Reddit, John. I found it on the factual pages. That's clever. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. What are the odds, Kurt, this is an attempt to be more uplifting, Okay, that a household yes. in America yes. has both biological and adoptive children? And adopted children. Okay. Same in household, America. biological and adopted children. What, are, what's what year? The, what, are what? What? What year is it? Now. Okay. Because it changes. I would tell you, had it been in the fifties, it'd be a lot different than today. Okay. okay but we could agree where all of these stats are pretty much now. I'm going to tell you, and it's going to be a lot higher than you think, which makes me feel really good. I'd say it is 17%. Okay. So one in six. Yeah. Okay. 
I was trying to be uplifting here. It's one in every 56, which is a lot. One in seven households has both a biological and a... Did you experience that growing up or recently? I'll tell you why. Because one of them is illiterate and can't read the directions on the box of condoms. That speaks to the biological child, but you can't accidentally adopt a child. (laughs) No, they adopted first and then they got the biological. (laughs) All right. We have to wrap up soon, but I'm going to give you another one. All right. Last one for you. I have a son who is has an abject phobia of sharks. In fact, he sometimes will not swim in lakes or pools thinking that he's going to get eaten by a shark. So, and by the way, I bet you this number is out of date because I just read in the New York Post today, a lot of shark attacks off of Long Island, a lot more than normal. But anyway, they just closed a beach in Massachusetts, I think, because there was a shark in the water. So what is your chance to of dying by a shark attack? Before now, I answer this question, I want to ask you a question about sharks. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the town in Jaws? Yeah, of course I do. Go ahead. Penobscot. I think it was Amity. Oh, yeah, it was. Okay. Amity Harbor. Did you say Penobscot, like Donald Penobscot, Loretta Swit? What was her character's name? Hot Lips? Yeah. Um, husband in MASH? Yeah. Donald John. Penobscot? Yeah. That's why you said it? Yeah, I was on an airplane the other day watching old MASH episodes. Okay, John, actually it wasn't on a plane. It was when I was in London and I, there was a lot. MASH was on every night. Okay, if you live beyond 100 miles of the coastline, your chances of dying by shark attack are one in seven million. It's not I was supposed good. to guess. Oh, right. What do you think it is if you're beyond 100 miles? All right, well, why don't I answer the question? Because you're probably going to say, what if you're closer to the shore? Within 100 odd, miles of the shore. Your are probably much higher. So if it's one in seven million for being inland, I will say it's one in two million if you're coastal. Close. One in 3.7 million. I'll take it. That's a win. I'm going to bank that. Yeah. Well, it's better than you are between 500 and 1,000. Okay. That still seems to be an issue for you. So when you saw Jaws the first time, you know, back in the 70s, which was a crazy, scary movie. Yeah. Were you afraid or to go back in the water? Yes, because of the opening scene, not because the other ones. It was the yeah. opening scene. That was, that was rough. All right. I think, why don't we leave it there? Because there you have it. So thank you. Hopefully we've talked about some fun. What are the odds? Thank you, Kurt. John, what, are, what are the odds? Chances are that we come back next week with a new episode. 100%. Yes! I can't that Kurt and I will be back next week with another episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, as always... We hope your life and days are filled with smart dribble. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.